Welcome to the NFL Podcast. Personal foul, roughing the Sessler. <laughs> yes, it's a play on words from the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio. It's around the NFL. Dan Hansis, Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. I hope nobody's roughing you up, Mark, because we'll roll over strong and take care of any adversary. I'd almost invite it just to find out what sort of comeuppance they would receive from the two of you. <laughs> I thought it was referring to us, and I was thinking I I personally need to change um, and turn a new leaf in the year 2022 in offseason, just be kinder and gentler to Mark Sessler. That oh, maybe oh, we yeah. have roughed him up too much, and uh, I think we should just all – don't get I get along. annoyed at you more than you get annoyed at me? I feel like I need to maybe be there a little was, more there ginger with season, you. There was that season, yeah, the 2016 season, I think it was. It was just like Mark was just banging me over the head pretty much most of the year. That was oh, a yeah. tough year. Well, that's, it all blurs into one. There is therapy <laughs> that you guys can go to together and work those things out, or right on the mic. I prefer that. Yeah. I think that's where it should take place yeah. you know, in front of right our now. audience. I'm not known as a man that uh, throws hands. But when we were at uh, Lakeisha's uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Nick Wessling reminded me that uh, some guy kind of got up in Colleen's business and, and Ty B, and then I got up in that dude's business, and then Nick rolled over and was like, do we need to oh. throw hands here? And it was like, <laughs> I did that? And I was like, oh, I'm pretty proud of myself. I might have been drinking that night. That well, the guy was Gonzo, so it seemed like he had an appropriate, <laughs> you know, sort of place there. But it was a, that's where it went. That's why he's the best there, hey, Mark. Hey. kind of stupid. No roughing the Cessna over that was, here now. That was mildly dumb. So we're going to go from a uh, two years and counting global pandemic into World War III. So that's the thing that might be happening right now. But the, the good thing is here on the Around the NFL podcast, we'll never stop. We will keep potting no matter what happens in society. If we can make it through the last year... I think we can. We already had our own World yeah. War Three. This part feels easy. I, I'm not saying for everyone involved, but for our simple task, we can plow through. <sighs> All right. Not for everyone involved. Just I don't want to get, you know, we're good. I'm excited. I know you guys know I'm excited because the Flashpoint Focus series debuts today. Carson Wentz is the subject, and Zach Kiefer, the athletic, will be on the program. So get ready for that. And we'll also now, we haven't done this in a while. You know, it's we're settling into the cadence of the offseason. We're going to do some news. You want to do some news? Please. Let's do some news, Ricky. It's going to be a great game. Uh, I mean, a really good game. I think there's a lot of people that like to be calling that game. <laughs> but it uh, should be a lot of fun. <laughs> Troy Aikman, still pissed, I imagine, that... He was sent to cover the Eagles Bucks playoff game instead of going into Dallas to cover Niners San Francisco uh, Niners uh, against Dallas, and uh, we'll talk about Troy Aikman in just a moment. But let's start where we must always start at this time of year. Now it's now become a tradition on this podcast. Let's talk Aaron Rodgers. We talked on Tuesday about the situation uh, Rodgers leaving the cryptic Instagram post, telling everybody to read a book, get off. Get off my porch with that. You didn't like that. I'll read when I want, how I want. You're not. I know you're a Jeopardy champion, but I don't need that. Then he goes to Pat McAfee, says nothing about his future. Brian Gutekunst, the GM, he has his uh, press gathering this week. Mm. 
Goody. And he hit some questions about Aaron Rodgers. This has to be so annoying for Goody Guns. Even things things don't seem as uh, sour as they were last year. This has still got to be annoying. He was asked uh, what he does, Goody, if Aaron Rodgers comes to him seeking a trade. Yeah, no matter what, those are kind of some hypotheticals. I don't think we're going to go down those roads right now. And then uh, Goody was also asked, how does Rodgers' uncertain situation affect everything else as he tries to build a champion in Green Bay right now? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously everything around here kind of centers around the quarterback. That's kind of how we do things. So it's a big piece. It's a domino that um, kind of has to fall before we go down, you know, other avenues. So um, so it's important, you know, as we go through this and the, the puzzle pieces that we got to make fit, I think. So um, that's the first one to go. So. That's a big fat no doy, Greg, obviously, because here's the thing. When Rodgers, the report comes doi. out last month, he's not going to leave everybody hanging throughout the spring and summer. Well, he can't because there's a team involved here that needs to try to build their roster with free agency upon us. ESPN's Diana Rossini reported that Aaron Rodgers will be informing the Packers of his decision soon, and it cannot come a second too soon for me. The interesting part of that report was that there were multiple offers on the table. For Rodgers, I thought I thought that was interesting. That's, that surprise that, you it, though? That it's already happened. I I wonder if they're like these official offers. I mean, is Gutekunst picking up the phone? Is Gutekunst just obsessed with the Monday of next week's announcement? I believe. I think we're hoping uh, to find out who, what's going to be the German game because you know Gutekunst wants to go back to the homeland uh, in Germany. I. Just think good. That's at the center of this. I think he's slow playing this because he's expecting Rodgers to come back. But the the biggest thing is the contract for Aaron Rodgers is that domino. So, yeah, okay, you want to come back. That's part one. The complicated part is what's the deal that he's going to get to reduce a $46 million cap number, which is what he has right now. He's not going to play next year under his current base salary. So they're going to have to move money around. They're going to have to do something similar for Devontae Adams in hopefully for them. Eventually they've already reduced their uh, cap space this week by $15 million by restructuring some deals. There's going to be more of that. He is busy. I think they're going to have to cut Zedaria Smith at some point. There's a lot going on. You did the scrub by the way. What? The social scrub trope alert. Oh, Zedarius Smith. Zedarius yeah, Smith he's... has scrubbed the Packers from his social media. I'm, I'm getting tired of that move at this point. Or I, I already am tired. Well, it's a trope for a reason. Right. Great trope signing. Uh, great bad. free agent signing. Two trope amazing bad. years and then one total uh They might be no both show. gone, Preston no and Zedarius. They could both be gone. And so I just would be stunned if it's anything but Rodgers staying. Yeah. I'm with you. I think you just follow the money. Like they're creating cap space. It's It seems to me that – Money would solve probably a lot with Aaron Rodgers at this point. And I, the one, he also talked about Goody, that communication's been very good. I think the Packers in general, front office, has done a nice job of kind of lowering the chaos level. You can only do so much with Aaron Rodgers because he's spouting off weekly about tangential scenarios. But like from the Packers side, they've kind of tempered this. They are in control to some degree. Like, I mean, they are in control. Like they, you can have trade offers, but it's like you get a mountain back for him. I don't think there's any interest to trade him. I, I would assume Denver's one of those teams because I would I think Hackett's probably first order of business was to call up his old friends in Green Bay and say, let's at least discuss this. It's like let him think he's in control when 
he's not. Isn't that what you do with man children or problem individuals? Just let them That's think what, that like, they're the running pr- the show. The producer, you know, producers at this network for like the higher level talent. You got to massage that relationship. Let the, let them feel like they're the ones in control when, I, when really it's. I'm treated that way. I so. We we handle you, I think, definitely. And I think that's the way that the Packers, I don't think Kuda Kunst and their front office and LaFleur have gotten enough credit. Uh, we were saying this last summer, I got killed for it, Mark, that Rodgers was being petulant and can be difficult to deal with. Uh, but they could have panicked or reacted off that last summer and, and made a, a move and traded him away. But they were able to get that thing calmed down enough to get him to camp, to win another MVP. Obviously, things didn't work out in the playoffs, but now I think they've been able to stabilize the situation. Now they just got to get this thing locked and loaded and then go about their offseason. In other news, this one's interesting to me, and it actually makes sense to me when you kind of try to figure out what's going on with the Niners last season where you – there was so much hype around Trey Lance drafted third overall and the general thought that he was going to be unleashed uh, in the Kyle Shanahan offense and that he was going to be a difference maker. And then you waited for him to kind of take over at some point last year. And it just never did. And Jimmy Garoppolo played the entire season, including uh, a playoff win. And then they got picked off, obviously, um, in the NFC title game. But Adam Schefter of ESPN reported that Kyle Shanahan and the Niners could stick with Jimmy G in 2022. Uh, for multiple reasons here. One, Mark, the QB is popular with his teammates. They like him, and that's true. We heard that a lot. A lot of people barking in the on social media, uh, you fools don't realize, I'm paraphrasing, uh, look at this man's record. He is a winner, all that stuff. That's, that obviously carries weight in that locker room. And then also Schefter reported that Trey Lance still has a ways to go in his development as a passer. Schefter mm. said that Lance was probably further behind than people realized. Lance is greener than people realized. Trey Lance is going to need more work than people realize. And they have a roster that can win now. Mark, that sounds to me, now I'm not saying that they think Lance is an issue or it's a mistake that they drafted him, but this is not going to what their initial plan was, and they're trying to maybe figure out a pivot here. Yeah, Schefter added that the team is, in quotes, happy with Lance's development. No, they're not. I mean, this is not where you wanted to be at this point with this player. And the move that you made, a titanic move to get into position, to take this guy over Mac Jones, over fill in the blank, and his development never really took form. I mean, we spent most of last offseason presuming that Jimmy G would just get replaced at some point by Trey Lance in a Kaepernick over Alex Smith type style. It never happened. I think you're right. I think that they, if anything, you're reducing risk because you can't go in with Jordan Love 2.0 and have that another Shanahan season swept by the wayside. I mean, Jimmy G, for all his flaws, I think he, you're right, he has the support of his teammates um, in, in, in almost a surprising fashion for the fact that he also hamstrings them at times. The coaches believe in him to some degree. They've been real with Jimmy G from A to B. And so I think maybe this is like, let's just run back what happened last year. And I also wonder if maybe, they, you know, people calling up the Niners to trade for Jimmy G, there maybe isn't as much demand there as we would think. Right. I just think it's leverage. Right. They have no leverage. No one's interested in Jimmy G right now necessarily because he's probably not anyone's first option of like what we're going to do this offseason it's at a spot where everyone knows they're going to trade. So that hurts their leverage. And so they have to throw it out there that we may not. And I, I believe it because he's not getting paid that much money. $24 million is not that crazy 
uh, a base salary. That said, I would be very surprised if he was on the roster. Like tw- him plus Trey Lance's salary is not that much for the quarterback position. The problem is Jimmy G stunk. Like that was the worst five or six game stretch of his career. And I know he was injured, but like he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And I know they won despite that. And we get caught up in wins and losses. I don't need to hear about Trey Lance's behind or whatever. I I saw him play two games. It's worth noting uh, he had 8.5 yards per attempt, five touchdowns, two interceptions. I I thought he made some plays in those two games. He wasn't that bad. And I I feel like they're going to play Trey Lance. They're just holding out the possibility that if absolutely no one gives up anything for Jimmy G, that would you rather keep him than cut him? I I could buy that. I could Mm. buy that. Yeah, I see. I do see this a little different. Uh, I think it is a breadcrumb that they're trying to like recalibrate their situation because Lance might not be ready in year two, which I don't think they ever anticipated. Well, here's the reason why I buy they would keep him is because if you trade him, you save $25 million in cap space. If you cut him, uh, it's similar, but it's a little less clean. And I just feel like they're going to want to have a second veteran quarterback Either way. And so if no one's going to give him up anything like, okay, we, I, I don't buy it, though. I think it's too messy. I hear I you. But I the, think it's just uh, playing the, the Schefter sort of leverage, out, throw it out there. That's a, I mean, that's all in there. But I the pot, like the thing that you're striving for as an organization is a star quarterback on a rookie deal. And this this report is disturbing if you're a Niners fan. You're not thinking this means nothing. It's, it's keeping you up at night to some degree. It does make me wonder uh, if – Kyle Shanahan in his quiet moments, you know, wishes he had stuck to his guns and taken Mac Jones. Yeah, well, I think it's I'm fair. <laughs> there, there is a, I think this report, and we'll see how it plays out, is uh, to me another maybe seed of doubt, at least amongst the football cognizante. Yeah. Where's this report coming? I just like, like, I think people forget that week 17 game that Lance that had they, against Houston. That they maybe good. made the wrong. How long have you guys been doing this show together? Like, how long? long? Like, Dan does his pause, <laughs> and then you two just like, like. Maybe they're forcefully trying to end the bit. You know what I mean? But like, it's just like, once it takes off, it's. You're right. From a dramatic pause angle, we did a. Greg and I did a poor job there, Erica. That was a lot of a But I understand. Mark. That could have yeah. been, been a pushback, also, even if it was uh, something they didn't think they were doing it. I like the bit. I mean, I'm not even calling it a bit. I think it's it's high drama and it's showing I was in the middle of a sentence. Sure. But we <laughs> well, talk I guess over each other I, you all know, the time. I understand how that feels sometimes. Yeah. So you just got to, you know, you got to roll up the punches, Dan. Absolutely, Mark. Mark, how do you get by? How do you survive? Well, it's not, you know, it's it's a <laughs> what a, cross it's a lot to endure. 15-yard um, penalty, rough in the sense. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, time now. For news and notes presented by Upwork, where you could build the team that will build your business, learn more at Upwork.com. Nailed that, Reed. (laughs) All right, now, boys. Troy Aikman, okay? Here's the drama around Troy right now. Is he going to stay at... Fox? I love that tune. La dee dee dee. La da da. Oh, well, see, the, that next part is where it really takes off, Ricky. But I understand why you cut it short. Or will Troy Aikman go to Thursday Night Football for Amazon? See, they don't have a, a song yet, but once they do, 
This is a placeholder. That's the Amazon. Oh, okay. Could get some water, maybe some waterfall action Ah, uh, yeah. Good call. Ricky and Post, can we add some waterfall in there? Or does he end up at... And I think he will. Monday Night Football! Ow! Monday Night Football needs a real analyst. And oh. could it be Troy? From our boy, Andrew Marchand, over at the New York Post, Hall of Famer Troy Aikman is expected to leave Fox Sports to become the main analyst for ESPN's Monday Night Football. The deal will be for five years, according to sources, and his yearly salary is expected to approach or exceed the neighborhood of Tony Romo's 17.5 mil per year deal with CBS. The deal's not signed yet. So things can change, and this is a dramatic little uh, melodrama that's a soap opera, this whole uh, carousel with the analysts, and it's getting even more juicy now as the money gets bigger. Uh, but the deal is near completion. ESPN declined comment. Mark mm. Aikman's move, uh, he was connected to Amazon a lot. We thought that's where he was going to end up with Al Michaels, who looks like he'll be the, the voice of Thursday Night Football. But going to Monday Night Football, apparently busting up that unit and giving people a reason not to just watch the Manning cast every week, that's a big play uh, by ESPN if that's what goes down. Yeah, I mean, if all this, all these moving parts, I can't think of a year where, like, the announcing teams that we've been so accustomed to uh, drinking in uh, with all these games could shift and change so much, so dramatically, because, you know, we know that Al Michaels was someone that wanted – He's in talks to do TNF. He wanted Aikman to go there as well. It would leave Fox with a major hole next to Joe Buck. Joe Buck is someone that was whispered about in this article as someone that ESPN might try to lure away to recreate the Aikman-Buck team. So I think, you know, we have to see where the Aikman's the first piece here, but a lot would change. And, I, you know, if you're Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, and Brian Greasy, you're just the person that's always, um, they've been looking to upsell from you from, from, from point A. Right, and in the article by Marshawn, he mentions how they are going to have so many games because ABC is also adding games and there's Saturdays that they're going to need two teams. And that's a nice way to cushion it. Kind of implying that they'll be the backup team. I just look at like, why is this article out there right now? It says on the verge expected to, that just feels like well, that's how you get ahead of a story, Rosenthal. I you don't get want to it. be the guy that reports when it's finalized. You want to be the one that lets everyone know. I get Marshawn it. Marshawn knows what he's doing. Of course he does. He's doing a great job. My point is, it left the window open for Fox Sports to come back in. They clearly weren't it, paying, paying Aikman what he wanted. All right. It, I, it, I, I see the, what you're saying. I'm just saying it. I wouldn't. I don't want to like totally talk about all what it all means and Al Michaels it sounds like his negotiation according to Marshawn at the one yard line of Amazon but you know sometimes you got a Super Bowl right in front of you at the one yard line throw the, you throw the and Malcolm ball. Butler uh, Malcolm Butler well, hopefully it's not it. his own one yard line right yeah, so right. who knows maybe Al Michaels ends up as you mentioned at ESPN that the how this all came to be is really fascinating to me though. we love this stuff when Romo got the 17 and a half million Aikman who is also a Cowboys quarterback uh, saw all the love that Romo was getting. Right, his head exploded. He picked up the brain matter. He was like, "I was sewed it back." I in. was better than him as a player. 
Right. Uh, I'm sure he's confident in himself as a broadcaster, and I'm making way less money than this guy. He apparently used that leverage to get a new deal before last right. year, getting a raise up to $13 million, and that deal had an out that he could blow it up after just one year, and that looks like what he's doing right, right now. And then he's covering a 2021 Eagles playoff game, and he's like, hell no, <laughs> I am gone. He gone, but me gone. Don't really you annoying. think he got better, too? I think... He's Aikman great. started trying harder and got better <laughs> in the last two years. I, I really believe that. We talked about that. He he sort of was reaching a new level as maybe Romo was, you know, settling in, you know, taking a little bit of a step back. I think Aikman got the eye of the tiger. I think Aikman to me, and this might connect to as he got further away from playing, although he hasn't played in 20 years now, but also maybe f- any aspirations about working in a front office or anything like that. I felt like he was more willing to criticize players and coaches who needed to be criticized in recent years. And I always think that's good. I I don't like when you could tell true breeze, a guy's being gun shy because he doesn't want to affect relationships. You have to call it like you see him. And I feel like Aikman did that in recent years in a way he hadn't before that. Marshawn doesn't mind like just throwing some mess out there because he threw out Sean McVay as a person they might go after. He threw out John Lynch, who, oh, by the way, is the GM of the 49ers. Right. Threw him out there. So it's like Tom Brady. Are these coming out of nowhere? And Brady, unlike the others, he he said like it's it's, there's no indication that he would be interested. Um, But the fact that he said that about Brady and not those other two guys like, eh. Do you think some of these players, though, or some of these individuals would rather sign up? You can't have too many of these because a copycat that goes wrong would be a nightmare, and I never watch it. But more like the Manning cast format seems to me to be the future to some degree of how we watch games. I'm not saying it's the only one, but these like high-arching deals, it's like I could see some players saying, I would rather do that but not have to do the other thing where maybe you suck at it. Can I share a downside of this? Because I, like many other people, really grew to enjoy the Manning cast uh, when Anthony Anderson wasn't on the show. And what I... (laughs) If you actually have Aikman on the main telecast, now I have a decision to make. You're, it's Whereas, a tough business decision. And I, and I mean no disrespect to the other guys, Levy and the and the crew. It was not a hard decision before. Mm. I flipped back and forth, partly because my kids hated uh, the Manning cast. They were like, what is the point of this? But uh, I liked it back and forth. It was like sort of dependent on the game. Even the bigger game, I'm going a- – if it's a big game, I'm going Aikman. Ultimately, yeah. and I'm doing some flipping because when it was – I want just the Mannings. I don't even need guests. Two guests. Give me second quarter, fourth quarter. When it was just the Mannings, then it right. was really cool. I, I would find myself like fall, like dreamily falling into the Manning cast, but then like eight minutes of game action was going on that I wasn't paying attention to. It's like, wait a minute, we got to talk about this tomorrow. Right. So when like Phil Mickelson is drilling exactly. down, you know, question four hundred yeah. at Peyton Manning. Talk uh, about the Manning cast curse for Phil Mickelson. And- oh, they did get him. <laughs> they got Phil too. Uh, Uncle Phil. Finally, oh. I hope that he does move, and I hope they uh, bump up Olsen because it just, to me, it upgrades my oh, life. Yeah. Everyone wins. And Aikman is great. And this is, great. this is not a shot of Marshawn because he does excellent work, but I keep seeing in his articles and elsewhere, and this is especially important because Fox has two of the next three Super Bowls. Trust me, they're going to be fine if Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olsen call the game. They will be fine. It's not like it's a panic to get someone else in there. Those guys are pros who are bros. <laughs> That was news and notes presented by Upwork. Around the NFL <laughs> guest, Kevin Burkhart. Yeah. I love Burkhart. The world's work marketplace. Learn more at Upwork.com. Finally in the news. That was the interview. I love Burkhart also and could not wait to speak with him. 
and my mic was not on and like we were on t- it was our television show do you remember that mm-hmm. and i and like it was one of the it's just like I at don't. that point just you know a bomb land on my house please that was a very clear instance of i think i was being shut the out whistle roughing the sessler personal foul roughing the sessler yeah, well, yes. Hey, how about, like, let's get Kevin Harlan in there with Aikman. We don't need to uh, go try to get Joe Buck. Harlan, Aikman, who's not loving that? I mean, Westwood Fantastic. 1 will survive as well. They will find something. That man was doing the All-Star game one week after doing the Super Bowl. Who has that sort of versatility at that level? The guy is drunk. The guy is drunk. Finally in the news, Tom Brady has, quote, unquote, retired. Well, he's got a year to kill before he comes back into the league. Uh, and while he has that time, he is going to play himself in a movie titled 80 for Bra- – give me that Fox sound again because we're talking show business now. 84 Brady, a football-themed road trip flick set to begin production this spring, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Brady will produce the film. Hollywood parlance, that is, he's the money man. He's doing zero, right. He's putting in some money. Right. You know, he's fronted it. He'll get some back end. He owns the, the – I think he owns well. the IP. It's got the IP. That's nice. It will star, listen to this cast of all-star legends, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda. Well, some people don't like Jane. They don't like some of the things that she did in her past. But uh, Good performer. Great performer. Barbarell. Rita Moreno. And Sally Field. Who's your favorite of that group? It's one of the weirdest uh, couple minutes on the show ever. <laughs> Tomlin, I guess. I don't know. Field. I gotta go field. I, I like. I'm the just mom looking forward to this. I think people forget Rita Moreno was. She's 90 years old. She was in Singing in the Rain and The King and Unbelievable. I. Unbelievable. Here's the, the plot. Block. Greg, you tell me if you'll go see this movie. Four women who travel to see Brady play in Super Bowl 51. That's a game, of course, against the Falcons, the fifth title. Uh, March 2020, Brady launched 199 productions. We get it. You were the 199th pick in the draft. Enough. Which will help make the film along with Paramount Pictures and Endeavor content. Not Fox. But uh, that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. Are you going to see mean, that movie? I love love a road trip movie. I mean, it, it it's like an older version of that Britney Spears movie. You know? Crossroads. Crossroads. Much older. What what a classic! AKA Erica Tamposi's favorite what a film of all time. Yeah, I uh, my my brother, and my dad were at that game, so that you know it's a lot of good memory. He's a great actor. <laughs> you said your Brady. brother and dad were at the Crossroads premiere. Maybe they can get into this. Uh, Brady was so good on in Stuck on You, uh, the Farrelly Brothers movie starring. Uh, that Matt is Damon not one and, of the better Farrelly Brothers. Greg Kinnear, him and Lawyer Malloy uh, were on it together. That I'm just looking forward to see how he grows as an actor. Is that the movie where Jack Black? Fell in love with Gwyneth Paltrow in a fat suit? No. No, absolutely not. I and mean, that's a totally different movie. Stuck that was on you. Shallow Hell, right? Shallow yeah. Hell. Yeah. Stuck on you is about Siamese twins, was it? Yeah. You could make Jeez, movies like that. Man, in what a lane. 2003. What a lane the Farley brothers were in. Different times. Different times, my friends. I will see this in the theater. Uh, probably on its in its opening week. Brady hosted Saturday Night Live. I use that as the gauge. Like Peyton was very good on Saturday Night Live. There, eh. there. Michael Phelps was brutal on Saturday Night Live. Eli was fine. Jeter was fine. Like these guys are. Oh, Eli was a lot better than Jeter. Eli was solid. All right, Jeter wasn't great, but it's a great ball player though. Uh, but Brady was not good at all. Wooden Jordan was bad as hell. Jordan was brutal. Most of them are. <laughs> Joe Montana had one great sketch where he was going upstairs to do something, and the fans of the 
SNL know what that is. Will Brady recreate the same hair he had back then? I mean, I know he's, he seems to have a different hairstyle. Sort well, he's of got many wigs, so. Sure. Well, he could do a Stanislavski class like, here. There's a lot of chant time for like him to plants. craft yeah. the acting skills. All right. That's what's happening in the news, and uh, we'll take a break here, and when we come back, oh, yeah, Flashpoint Focus, colon, Carson Wentz. Working title? Maybe, maybe not. After the break. All right, welcome back, and it is time. Our Flashpoint Focus series, colon, Carson Wentz, and who better to help us, help guide us through this maze in the Hoosier State than a legend. He is a dad to two awesome little girls. He covers the Colts in the NFL for The Athletic. He's an analyst for Wish TV, an adjunct professor for Indiana University. And he also wrote a beautiful piece on Chris Wessling for The Athletic. Of course, we're talking about Zach Kiefer, who knows what's going on with the Colts. What's up, buddy? What a dramatic intro. I don't know (laughs) if I can live up to all that that you just described. Well, it's all there in the Twitter bio, Zach. (laughs) And uh, we thank you for joining us. And you are a professor, and you do look professorial right now. And I I think we all applaud you for that as well. You, You have levels. I try to play the role on Thursdays during the spring. I've had to stop class a couple times when news happens and say, hey, you guys give me five minutes. I got to text somebody to get this news out. <laughs> but hey, it's a good lesson in how the business works, right? Oh, it's It's been Rap Sheet's move uh, for a while. He, he basically has given up on you know, being polite or really human communication because he can just stop any conversation in the middle of it. He's done that to me. Yeah, that's pretty much to me. There's actually no one texting him. That's just what he does. (laughs) Zach, let's let's get into it, because, yes, we we're all trying to figure out, like everyone else, what the Colts are going to do at the quarterback position. And you wrote um, a really good piece on The Athletic about this. You talked about it on your podcast. Uh, in fact, I have the exact wording from Zach, and if uh, th- th- he leaves nothing, you know, these journotypes, they're very pointed in the words they choose. It, it's my firm expectation, based on recent conversations, that the Colts will move on from Carson Wentz. And Zach, that's three years and $82 million left on the deal he signed with the Eagles in 2019, but only one year of guaranteed money. I'll start here. There have been so many breadcrumbs about moving on from Wentz. But how do you actually do that? Do you think there's a trade market for Wentz? And if they do shake free of this commitment, where do they go from here? Yeah, I probably should have couched that by saying never say never, but he's moving on. He's not coming back. That's my, like I said, like I wrote my firm expectation. He will not be back for a second year. And to be clear, they're going to owe him $15 million. And that's not even the deciding factor here. That's something that they're just going to have to live with. Um, they're going to move on from him. Trade market, I'm really fascinated to see because there's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. And when you stack up Wentz's numbers and production last year, which wasn't horrible against a lot of these guys, it, it compares favorably well. But, and I think a lot of your audience probably looks at 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions and says he was pretty good. And there were stretches last year when he was pretty good. But for those who watch the tape, you see the problems that arose. You know, they had to become a run first offense with Jonathan Taylor because they didn't trust the quarterback. He cost them late in a lot of games. They were two and five in one score games. The quarterback had a lot to do with that. And I've even gotten to Las Vegas and Jacksonville when he absolutely just melted down. They cost away a 97% chance at the playoffs. Oof. 
it just ended disastrously. And I'm very, very convinced that they're moving on. It's just going to happen, whether they can find a trade partner or not. And if not, they'll just cut him before March 19th when that extra $13 million is due. Wow. Well, I think, too, they, they could get a late-round pick for him or something that makes the money go a little bit easier. Is it just an emotional thing? It feels like it's Ursay from the outside because there's, there's different sources. And there's an ESPN report. You've been writing about it really the last month and a half. And it feels kind of like the boss just wants him gone. And I, if, if it wasn't for Ursay, do you feel like Reich – uh, and Chris Ballard would maybe be as aggressive getting rid of him without even knowing kind of what's behind door number two and who they could get back. Yeah, that's a good question, and that's fair. Um, I understand the emotion that comes after Jacksonville. I'm sure you guys talked about it. I mean, this was, in Ursay's words, I talked to him about eight or nine days after the season ended, and he said this was an epic shortfall that stunned and shocked and appalled us all. I mean, when do you hear an <laughs> NFL owner say that? They were road favorites by 14, the biggest spread they've ever had in NFL history, in their, in their history. rest of the team stunk by... that day too, by the way. It's worth th- throwing Correct. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've written that they need more at receiver than Michael Pittman Jr. They don't have anything at tight end. It's not all on Carson. It's not. Um, but after the season, this was very telling. A year ago, they said, we want Phillip Rivers back. He retired. This time around, both Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, and Chris can't help himself. He tells you what he thinks most of the time. He said, you got to make the layups, Carson, which is code for, dude, just take the checkdowns. And then secondly, neither of them committed to bringing him back and said, we're going to look at all our options. They're looking at their options and they're not great right now. That's that's my question like with Chris Ballard. I mean, we just are coming out of a period last offseason where the Rams swung for the fences. They don't care about first round picks. They'll mortgage the future for Matthew Stafford. The read on Chris Ballard, I mean, they don't have a first-round pick. Where do you go? Are you going to try to sell to Colts fans that Teddy Bridgewater is the right move at this point? Or some sort of, the free agent class is a mess. What do you see them doing? Are they a candidate to maybe try to get a Russell Wilson or someone like that? Or is it just finding another mid-tier quarterback because the distaste with Carson Wentz is so intense? Isn't that telling? They don't have a, a good plan B. They don't have – there's no, like, obvious answer – They have some money, but they don't have a first-round pick because of the Wentz trade. There's no obvious answer, and they're still going to move on from Carson Wentz. That tells you how they feel about him, in my opinion. That's my takeaway. And, Mark, I mean, what's the play? You can't sell Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, you could make the case that Carson Wentz is a better option. And I know there are flaws with both, but the reality is, and I wrote this, this team might need to accept the fact that they go backwards at quarterback in 2022. And it's a really interesting dilemma because you've got guys like Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard. I mean, they had seven pro bowlers last year. That's the most in the league. And then you make the playoffs. And, and it's funny because for all those years with Andrew Luck, it was, they had a quarterback and not a whole lot around him. Now they have so many good pieces. Objectively, this is a pretty good roster. They've got some holes to fill, but this is a pretty good roster, but they don't have the one thing you need. And I wonder how Chris Ballard's, mindset has possibly changed after the playoffs, right? Because they don't have a quarterback. You got to throw in this league. They don't have wide receiver weapons. And the Rams went out and spent all that money and it paid off. And the, and the Colts have been the opposite of that. I wonder if their approach changes, but they're not going anywhere until they figure this quarterback situation out. And this year will be Frank Reich's fifth season. It's his fifth different starting quarterback. That's absurd. Wow, I mean, that's wow. crazy. Another stat is they're ninth in offense in that span with five to four different quarterbacks. I Two mean, of them are good. Right. And ultimately, yeah, it's the list is Tolzien, Luck, Brissett, Rivers, Wentz. And 
ultimately they backed themselves in a corner, didn't they, Zach? Because when you give up first and third picks to the Eagles, you inherit Wentz, you inherit his contract. And I wouldn't say, like you're pointing out, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. You know, going into, say, week 16, they felt like one of the best teams in the league to me. And yet there's a decision when the owner's firing off 2 a.m. Uh, tweets about we need to be better and we have to score more points and all the stuff. The writing seemed to be on the wall. Uh, but, yeah, there doesn't seem to be a clear path. That's a problem. Then I looked at something you wrote um, when you look back on uh, Chris Ballard, what he had to say last offseason. And he said, it is not an exact science regarding drafting quarterbacks. Everyone thinks you just take one and you're going to fix the problem. Look, taking one will get y'all, get y'all off my ass for a little bit, the journalist, <laughs> the media. But the second that guy doesn't play well, I'm going to be the first one not run out of the building. So if Wentz is going to be kicked out the door and you don't have a first-round pick and the free agent and trade market is not overly appetizing, yeah, I don't see how they don't take a step back. And, and maybe Ballard's starting to get nervous now because he's like, man, this is going to come back on me if we go 7-10 and 10 next year. You know what tweets I'm getting? I mean, I'm getting tweets, people saying, well, let's just take Mike White. Let's just take a flyer on that guy. Or oh let's start Sam Ellinger. But- and I love Sam Ellinger. He's a great kid. But, like, that's not an NFL starter, in my opinion, based on what I saw at training camp. I mean, the shame of it is this team is ready to win. And I don't know what win necessarily means. I think they could compete certainly for the AFC South crown and, and maybe make a run in the playoffs if they had the right quarterback, but they've been in this hamster wheel for five years. And I don't see it ending this off season. They might just have to eat this season. They might just have to suck it up and take their losses and, and try to go after a better quarterback class next year in the draft, a better free agent class next year. And then, and just see where they're at. But is Frank Reich here next year? Is Chris Ballard here next year? I can't tell you that, but I will tell you this. I don't expect this to happen, but if Russell Wilson somehow becomes available, if Aaron Rodgers somehow becomes available, first they would swing for the, the fences in the second. He absolutely would. He would do whatever he could and they've got to go the, get those guys. They've got the cap space to do it. They've got the roster to be inviting, and I think they've actually got the internal discipline that you wouldn't hear that much about him until they actually got him. You know, they, they, it doesn't surprise me that they're not in the mix when you're hearing these different rumors this offseason because I think they keep it pretty close to the vest, and that's to their credit. I think it makes sense. When you know you don't have the guy, you got to move on. you got to just keep trying because I don't think it's a step back for whoever they end up with. They'll end up with someone, whether it's Dalton or Teddy or Trubisky or whoever it's going to be, Jimmy G, like to me, they're all in the same bucket. And actually most of those guys to me are more attractive because they're a mediocre that you know who they are week to week. And I think Wentz is a mediocre that was in a perfect situation with the guy that he knows in Reich that you still don't know he is who he is week to week. To me, that's not that big of a step back. There's actually a lot of sort of borderline QB one twos. When I do the QB index like that, that 20 to 35 range those guys are available. One of them will step in. They'll kind of be the same as Carson Wentz in the end. And Frank Reich has shown he can coach up those guys. And that's not like the least of my problems. My bigger problem with the Colts right now is that they've got other issues. Like they've got a ton of free agents. I'm, I'm curious what you think their big issue is because their pass rush was not there last year. Uh, they've got free agents at wide receiver. They've got two starting offensive linemen uh, that are free agents. What, where do you think they're going to be focused other than quarterback? Cause I think that's the sneaky issue with the Colts right now is maybe their roster isn't quite as good for 2022 right now as people think they, that it was in 2021. Yeah, that's well said, Greg. And, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Their roster is good, 
but are they good at the wrong spots? I mean, how valuable is it to have a left guard? You're going to pay $20 million. Quentin Nelson's awesome, but in a center and, and you don't have a good left tackle and Eric Fisher probably comes back with lack of a better option at left tackle. It's so hard to fill these positions, these premium positions without a first round pick. And they haven't had a top 10 pick in 10 years. And this year they won't have a first rounder for the third time in four years. And it's really hard to address those luxury picks. And they have the same problems that they did last year. And, and that's on Chris Ballard. They have a quarterback dilemma, same as they did last year. They have glaring needs at wide receiver. They have glaring needs at tight end and they don't have a pass rush. And maybe Quiddy Pay gets better in year two. And I think he will. I think he was a pretty good he pick was last good. year. He was good. In the first round. Yeah. Four sacks in his last five starts. And I think you start to see it. They're really high on Deo, the kid out of Vanderbilt who came off the ACL, didn't play much, but has that look and that feel and, and that burst that you want to see from a defensive end. So maybe that's fixed, but they have holes to fill at the most, at the priciest positions in the league, the hardest to fill, and they don't have a lot of draft capital to fill them. It's just not going to be easy. And when you add the quarterback headache on top of it, they're just stuck in mediocrity right now. Right. And when you talk about they, they need help at wide receiver, they need help at tight end. I mean, you're talking about bringing in, we're, we're actually saying the name Mitchell Trubisky. It's going to be a long autumn in the winter with an offense that needs help. And you're going to say, we're so done with Carson Wentz. Maybe at that Jaguars game, it happened back in week five, and then they closed the season out with two wins. All this emotion wouldn't be bubbling up. You stick with Carson Wentz because he wasn't as awful, I think, as some people are thinking. But instead, you're going to go plug and play a new quarterback it sounds like a disaster scenario to me well i'll, negative, I'll negative. just say this I'll, I'll say this and i guess and we'll let you go because we know you need to teach the, the professor leaders of tomorrow uh in mere minutes but after the christmas night win over arizona and it was that was the peak of the season and Wentz has that Wentz has that amazing play where he keeps a play alive and finds right. the guy with the perfect dart in the back of the end zone um, everything goes to hell. You lose to Vegas, you lose to Jacksonville, you go home. I'm just curious what you think, Zach, because I know Wentz rubs some people the wrong way, it seems like, behind the scenes perhaps. Maybe you could speak on that. And his play was up and down. But did it ha- was there any way that Wentz wasn't coming back or was coming back? If they make the playoffs, say, and go one and done, are they in the same position now? If they win a playoff game, there's no way they move on, right? Like, did it have to play out this way for him to be one and done in Indianapolis? You know, I, I thought that was the case. And, and I thought – I remember looking at Chris Ballard after Wentz made that play. Remember, he played terrible in the second and third quarters. He was missing high school throws. Then he makes three great throws in the last drive, hits Patton for the, for the game ceiling touchdown, right? Great moment. They're 9-6. and six. They won a game with a, a lot of guys out due to COVID. They're the team nobody wants to play in the playoffs, right? And then they ended up being the team that nobody did play in the playoffs. <laughs> My thought was they would bring him back and not overreact to Jacksonville, right? It was just it's an awful day. But this move is not going to be based solely on football. That's my understanding, and I've talked to people in the know. It's just not based on how he played on the field. I just think the Colts are convinced, the top decision makers are convinced that he's not the guy, and they're not willing to run it back mm. and just hope for better. And whether and and that's not going to answer your question, Greg, about who's who's going to step in and make them better, Mark, right? Like Trubisky or whoever it is. Maybe it's Jimmy G, but you got to give up draft capital to get Jimmy G, I think, right? So it's not about the next play. It's about the fact that they're just not willing to move forward with this guy. That's my understanding. And by the end of March, we're going to have an answer. All right, Zach, we thank you so much. We're going to be in Indianapolis uh, next week, so I don't know if there's any local haunts that you could point us in the direction of, or maybe we could toss one back you just let us know and we're there 
let, let's do it. Let's not go to St. Elmo's because that's a cliche that. that everybody does. Yeah. I got so many off the beaten path spots that you guys will love. So we'll Ooh. hit we'll hit up next we week. We might try to get some Wesleyan brothers to drive in. So it, it could be it could be a whole. Maybe thing some of your students that. join us if that's a lot. I don't know. If that's, I don't know. Mark, if that's be careful. You know, Mark always goes down that right. Road. No, it's mean, always it's always been Mark's dream to young be learners. Like a they're professor they're, they're, that well, that's, breaks that's the rules. I should just have you guys teach. I should just have you guys all guest speak in my class. My students would love that. We're expensive. I got nothing for you. There we go, Zach Kiefer. Thank you very much, buddy, and follow. Thanks, guys. Paul Zach on The Athletic and everything he does over there. You know, you had to, Greg. You had to. I know what you're doing. What? And I didn't want to – we're in the middle of having a nice conversation with a guest. You're, you're doing that thing again. And and I know what's going to happen. Uh-oh. Mark and I are going to have to deal with it all through the summer. What's happening? And into the fall. You're going to talk yourself into Teddy as someone's oh, no. solution. And it's if he ends up on the Colts, for instance, we're going to hear in August and into September – Oh, this is actually an upgrade. They know what they have. Teddy could be the answer. No. Don't my, do that to my, us. My point with, with Teddy and Wentz is like, I think they're telling you what they think of Wentz. And my point is, there are guys all in that same area that you can find. And Teddy's one of them. Teddy actually might be too expensive for them. I don't think there's a huge difference. <laughs> Greg, Greg is Teddy's I, agent, I have too. no appetite <laughs> for this. My point is— That's two shows in a row where Greg's like, hey, you might be able to get Teddy, but he might be too expensive right, my, for you. My point is there's not—like, people get so caught up in what's a starting quarterback. Carson Wentz isn't. Like, so if you get Tyrod or Jacoby Brissett, there's really not a difference to me. And I think it just takes, like, a year or two of Carson Wentz being in that role because he's going to be in that role now that everyone's like, oh, that's the Wentz role. They've they've got plenty of like mid to low level backups that you can put in there and Frank Reich will coach him up fine and it'll be about the same as Carson. I, that's my point. It's I not going to be a big difference. I wouldn't be worried about like that. And it seems like it's behind the scenes. That's an issue a little bit too is leadership oh, sure. and all that stuff. And I think, you you know, you brought up that they have some holes to fill at other positions and, you know, everybody does basically. So, I, But they, they're they missing, I counted six starters right now are free agents. That's a that's, lot that's what they have it's work a, to it, do, just like every other team. I'm not as doom and gloom about the team, but I do see the greater issue here is that the way things have shaken out, you, you whiffed. Let's face it. You whiffed on the Wentz trade, and now you're in a position where it's going to be very hard to actually upgrade from Wentz because he wasn't terrible. He was just inconsistent. Um, and you're probably going to be right back in the same spot next year where you win about nine games. And at what point, if you're the Colts, you say, everything we're doing is not good enough. We need to reboot the machine. I mean, you're the GM, Chris Ballard, who you know a season ago I think was viewed as one of the better GMs in the league and who had done a lot to rebuild the Colts. And now you've got a supply and demand issue at the most important position. And I think you've got an issue where you've probably got different people in the building wanting different things, but the big boss wants Wentz out. And so the GM and the coach have to do it. I would sounded, love to know. It sounded like Ballard wants him out. Well, too, but really I would love to know what Frank Reich did, because if you're Frank Reich, you're going to get your, like, your fifth quarterback in five years. And it's going to be, like, I'm sorry that Wentz was, Wentz had some terrible games and I'm not a Wentz guy. And I never thought it was going to be a great fit, but you're going to go plug in one of these other ham and eggers that we're going to have to talk about for the next six uh, months. I right, don't but like it. it. Sometimes with that, with that position, I think how you respond to things not going well is a big part of it. And but I would, you, but, you just well, get the feeling reading between the lines of the way that they want someone as a leader to respond to tough moments wasn't there for them. And that the aftermath of how those kind of weeks went, and you heard a lot of this in Philadelphia too, they were done with him as well. And, and you heard a lot he of He seems things. to burn people out. For whatever reason, it doesn't seem up. to 
you know, that you get teammates to believe in him and all that sort of thing. And I'll say this. If you watch their season closely, there were moments, and I'll, I'll highlight one week in particular. It was the week before that Cardinals game when they hung on to beat the Patriots where Wentz threw a bad interception that let the New England back into that game. And then the head coach, who was Frank Reich, said, no more. I don't even want this guy throwing the ball for the rest of the game. So I think Reich certainly probably had reservations uh, at the very least with Wentz, if not on the same page as the owner, who, by the way, summoned everyone back to the complex the night of the Jacksonville loss, which was a road game. And you could just picture it. I wish there's a biopic that comes out where he goes, oh, no more, no more Carson Wentz. He's just like yelling <laughs> at all support at that point. Yeah. He, it was over. He he was done. And I, I really think that Colts fans, and I'm, I'm really surprised, and even some of the media there, they should, they should realize that their coach and GM are a great combo. A very good combo. Frank Reich is a, a really good offensive head coach, and Ballard's done a really good job. And I was surprised when they were struggling early in the season. It was like, will Reich and Ballard be back? And I'm like, sometimes it. I, I know their results haven't been great, but they've been a winning team most of the time. I, I really think that they are a very good combo. And forget about like what's behind door number two of a quarterback. I would be worried about what's behind door number two of Coach GM. I like those two guys. Even if they took a step back, I think you stay there. Well, Ursay's got to keep a lid on it on that front because right. I'm with you. Coach GM combo. I mean, they've done a lot with a little. They've been through way... No one signed up for that job knowing you're going to lose Andrew Luck, that everyone else is going to melt down. You're going to have to deal with five different quarterbacks. I mean, I'm with you. Keep them. Um... Wes was known to say this on our show. It was a Vince Lombardi quote that football is the greatest game in the world, but it has one flaw, that there's a position that is so much more important than everything else uh, that it it could just throw off the balance of things. Like you could have everything set up well from roster to coach to GM, but if you don't have the QB, you're kind of stuck in purgatory, and that's where it feels like the Colts are right. I think he actually was referring to interior defender. Ah, it wasn't quarterback. It was interior defender, a big sort of well, behemoth that stops the run maybe twice a game. Do you guys, how old would you guess Frank Reich is? Uh, 57. Reich was. Actually, no, 62. I'll figure this out. I'm pretty good at this, actually. Reich, I was going to say, was around 28 or 29 when they had that great comeback in 93 with the. Bills. Uh, time's up. You're out of time. And now it is 30, 29. Yeah, he's about 60. Man, you nailed it on the dot. 60. Ha ha ha! He also has his uh, really carries pro football himself reference page like up, a but... much younger He's in the man. Pete Carroll category. But, it, yeah, I think he – yeah, right. A younger version of right. Carroll. But, wow, I had no idea that that man would be 60. Just vital. Well, also, well, formal, former pro athlete. 37 and 28 a as a head coach. That's that's pretty good. What a start to the Flashpoint Focus series. I thought we were going to re- you know workshop a new name potentially. Well, that's that goes back to Mark. What did, what did we get on social media with this? Anything, uh, any other option? Uh, nothing else grabbed me. Okay. I did think of one other option. All right. Focus figures. <laughs> Just using the so word lose, that we drop flash, apart. Lose flashpoint. I mean, I lose, like yeah, the, the whole, point. no, I, I think we stick with it um, out of stubbornness. For I some reason, else. I feel like figures, I'm just thinking hidden figures, that movie, mm-hmm. and it's some, uh, it's that's confusing. What, you if, what if it's just, Ricky, here it comes, flashpoint, colon, player, X. Nah. Just tighten it a little bit. I kind of like that. Or even get rid of the player. It's just Flashpoint. Yeah, but it's, we need... It's time well, for Flash. The... It's time for Flashpoint. And then you just get into whatever you're Maybe talking Maybe like a lightning about. flash drop? Flashdance. <laughs> which was... Uh, I think that's it. Flashdance. Mark just revealed his age once again. Flashdance. 
Who's not heard of that? I'm not saying I watched it. I was, I was too young to watch it when it came out. Uh, Jennifer Beals, I believe, with the water pulling the chain. I remember the I remember the person in it. I don't know. Yeah. And what is with you asking our guests to bring co-eds out? For I didn't. I I said like young journalists who are interested in journalism might want to come along yeah, for the 18, ride. They're eighteen, right? If it's college, they could be twenty. The right, most would be probably twenty-two, twenty-three. Can't get bars necessarily. We we've oh, seen Mark true. on the road. It says much yeah. more that you t- that you, the both of you gravitate towards that aspect well, of it. When I was thinking about you could you could work with you, young students. All. They just know you. You do not know me. How about that? <laughs> Erica, did you have the same thought as us? Well, of course she did. Well, first I I was like, they're 18, but yeah, Greg makes a good point about the legal drinking age in America. (laughs) That's why I would would restrict it to grad students or students above the age of 21. Isn't your son Luke 18 now? I mean, uh, you know, we're getting No, his daughter is. Well, I do. Yeah, well, that's a whole different story. I could totally see Mark having like uh, setting up like an internship to learn the business under him. All right, that'll be fine. <laughs> All right. Don't anyway, we have more to get to? Uh, flash, flashpoint focus, flashpoint. Anyway, continue to hit up at Mark Sessler if we, because we're going to bring the series back. We just now got to figure out what, who's going to be our, our flashpoint focus next week. Or hit me up with something of, of worth. Because that's when, not been When he said you'd have to give up a pick for Jimmy G, I was like, I wonder if they would just like swap problems. Oh, that sounds like a solution for no one. <laughs> um, all right. That is it for the Thursday edition of the Round the NFL podcast. Reminder, the TV show's back with me, Mark Sessler. Greg went off and hit on a vacation day in a big spot. <laughs> but we'll miss you. Colleen's going to fill in. I got ba- I got banged. Uh, I mean, that's essentially moving Carson Wentz for a higher property. I was going to take this whole show. week off, but then the podcast took last week off, so I never ended up getting either tough one sitch. off. It ended up getting a uh, tough situation. Tough situation, big spot. I think I'm going to be – it's going to be an upgrade in my chair. With Are you going there. to – you're going to be up in no the doubt. skiing. Are you going to uh, not ski. watch the, the program <laughs> on Saturday morning at 4 a.m.? I don't know if the place I'm staying has NFL Network. I suppose I could look for it on Game Pass, but no, okay. definitely not. Ricky, is there anything else we need to get out there? Oh, we're going to Indianapolis on Monday. Yep, I was just going to remind you of that. Yep, getting on a plane, heading to Indy. We're going to have a bunch of guests. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And when I say guests, I mean head coaches, GMs, and we have a new location, as I'm, uh, as I'm told, that – is right where all the action is at the Indi- uh, Indianapolis Convention Center. Shows Tuesday and Wednesday, and we might we might have so many interviews. Another one later in the week. At least two Let's shows. Let's not next over week. promise. Yeah, you won't get one Monday, but you'll get one Tuesday, as Greg said, Wednesday, and then potentially Friday. Mark might anchor that one solo. You'll be getting not you'll you'll get about four <laughs> minutes from me on Friday off my phone if that's what we're doing. <laughs> the off season is here, or is it? All right, we'll be back with the television show on Saturday morning. Set your DVR. Or don't go to sleep. That's the way to play it. And then we'll be, we'll see you from Indianapolis next week. Till then, heed the call.